Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Tuesday, September 22nd. I am your host, Adam Burke. We got a lot of stuff going on over at ATS.io for you to check out. Some great sportsbook promotions going on. In fact, I just wrote one up this morning for UFC 253, the main event between Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. You can bet $1 to win $100 if you sign up over at DraftKings Sportsbook. All the details available over at ATS.io for you to check out. Got a lot of other content going on over there. We got my college football power ratings, which are posted every Sunday or Monday morning. Opening line reports for college football and the NFL posted on Mondays. I do the market watch, talking about what's happened with the odds for the games coming up this weekend. Those get posted on Friday. We'll have contest recaps here early this afternoon for the Circus Sports Million and the Westgate Super Contest. We have a lot of game preview stuff from Admir Algic, Vincent Senek. Uh, we've got stuff from Alan Moody with his daily NBA and MLB picks. Lots of great stuff going on over at ATS.io for you to check out. And make sure you check out our ATS YouTube page as well. We've got highlight clips from our ATS.io radio shows. And we've got videos from Brian Blessing, who I'll talk with today about week three in the NFL. Lots and lots of content coming your way over at ATS.io on ATS.io radio and over on our ATS YouTube page. One thing you won't see is my daily MLB picks and tips article over at ATS.io. And I wrote about the reasons why here this morning. I've decided to shut down the daily article. The fact of the matter is I'm not spending three, three and a half hours to write the article right now. And for the most part, I use the article as a way to organize my thoughts, organize my research, stuff like that. But with the shows back, with football back, stuff like that, I simply don't have the time or really the passion to put into baseball right now with the tail end of the regular season. And, you know, look, quite frankly, the results in the article had been bad for the last week. So I decided that, you know, it was a good time to cut things off here. So I wrote about that over at ATS.io. I will be doing the betters box through the MLB playoffs. I'll be doing some series preview stuff. But as far as a daily article goes, probably won't be doing that. Uh, We'll see what happens here. Of course, the playoffs will give me a spark to you know start following baseball a little bit more closely. But with the tail end of the regular season just kind of coming to a very slow sort of plodding halt here at the end of everything, just decided to shut down that daily article for now. We'll see if it comes back for the playoffs. If not, it will come back here for the 2021 season. But I did want to do another regular season edition of the betters box here and sort of go through My evaluation of this shortened MLB season, my early thoughts on some playoff stuff, and kind of looking at the changes that I'm going to make heading into next year for 2021. So right now with the playoff races, we've got eight teams in the playoffs in each league. I don't know if you've seen this or not, have seen the format, anything like that. But the first round will be a best of three that will be at the higher seeds ballpark. We'll have one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, and four versus five. And as this week comes to a close here, I think there could be some potential gamesmanship, maybe some maneuvering. Again, as I said, the higher seed will have home field advantage in these. But outside of that, you know, seeding is mostly irrelevant in the American League. I think all eight of those teams have flaws. I think all eight of those teams can be beaten. 
Obviously, home field advantage may come into play in terms of how teams are tailored towards their ballparks. But outside of that, I mean, look, the Twins, their offense has been down all year. The Indians can't hit. The Blue Jays have some starting pitching questions. Uh, The Yankees have some starting pitching questions. The White Sox, they, you know, they hit lefties very, very well. Righties, above average righties can shut them down. That is something that they have had a problem with over the course of the season here. The Rays are probably the most complete team, and they're probably going to be the number one seed here as well. And Tropicana Field is an advantage for them because they don't have a great offense. They like to play a lot of lower scoring games. They've got the pitching staff to do it, but also for them, lots of injuries to their bullpen. So we'll see how those guys fare in this playoff format. Every team in the American League is is flawed, and every team in the National League is flawed too. The Dodgers, their only flaw is that they don't hit left-handed pitching well. Other than that, they're in pretty good shape here. But I think in the National League specifically, we could see some gamesmanship, some maneuvering here over these last six days of the regular season. Because look, I would rather play the Cardinals than play the Reds. I'd rather play the Cardinals than play the Phillies. You know, even even the Marlins, maybe that's a team that you'd rather see because their offense not on par with some of the other teams there in the National League. But the Marlins do have pretty good starting pitching as well. So I think we could see that here a little bit this week. Right now, teams are organizing their rotations to get ready for the playoffs if they're going to get in there. And of course, keep in mind too that once the playoffs begin, there are no days off. So you've got the the best of three here for the wild card round. Then you get into the division series. Those are going to be in bubbles. Uh, you've got the bubbles out west for the American League. You've got the bubbles in Texas for the National League. So you know these teams are going to have to try and figure some things out here over the last few days of the season. So I think you tread very, very lightly. You've got inflated prices right now on the contenders that have something to play for. And you know the teams that are, are fighting for their playoff lives right now or the teams that haven't clinched yet, they're just not great teams. The Indians, not a great team. Very good starting rotation. The offense is bad. The bullpen, if they get it figured out, could be a solid unit. But they've got issues right now. The Astros have plenty of issues right now. The Blue Jays, you know, got off to a slow start. Obviously, a weird start to the season for them. They've played pretty well, but offensively, they've been kind of up and down a little bit. And of course, out in the National League, you know, the Cardinals, not a great team. They're playing a ton of games in a short window to make up for all the COVID postponements. The Marlins have had to do that as well. The Phillies, uh, you know, they're a team that offensively, they're fine. The bullpen is god-awful. The rotation is Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and Pray for Rain. So they've got issues. So a lot of these teams here just, you know, there are so many flaws across all 16 of these playoff teams. But with the fact that there aren't any days off, teams that don't have as much pitching depth, like the A's, uh, specifically I'm talking starting rotation pitching depth, the A's, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Cardinals. You know, when you think about what teams have done here to get to the World Series, Look at the Nationals last year. Well over 70% of their outs coming from Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Doolittle, and Hudson. The Indians back in 2016, tons of Corey Kluber, Andrew Miller, Cody Allen. This is what teams have to do for the most part. They really shorten that bench, so to speak, when it comes to the pitching staff, guys going on three days rest, all those types of things. Well, with no days off, that becomes a real challenge. 
So if you're looking to dabble in the futures market here, and I'll talk more about this on next Tuesday's show uh, before the playoffs actually begin. If you're looking to dabble in the futures market, you've got to keep that in mind, that this schedule will be favorable for some teams that have a lot of pitching depth. A team like the Indians, for example, a lot of pitching depth for them. They can't hit, but they've got four or five starters that they can turn to. They've got a lot of different bullpen options. Not every team has that. So maybe they're kind of a live team here going into the playoffs, even though their offense isn't very good. The Twins, they've got pretty good pitching depth now that everybody's kind of healthy and back in the fold. The White Sox have increased pitching depth. Dane Dunning struggled yesterday, but with Keuchel and Giolito and how well the bullpen has performed this year, you know, so some teams are in better spots than others here uh, as these playoffs get underway. But for the last few days of the regular season, I would tread very, very lightly. You're facing price inflation out there, and you're also facing some teams that you know, will be in underdog roles, but you don't know if they've quit on the season or not. So I think that it was a good time. It was a week too late for me to shut down my daily baseball article. But I do think for you, you may want to just be more of an outsider, sort of follow along with what's happening, maybe put more of your focus on college football and the NFL. So an evaluation of my MLB season as a whole. And as I said, you know, I wrote up the daily picks and tips piece today telling you why I'm shutting down baseball uh, for for the remainder of the season here. And going forward, I will be shutting down MLB at the start of September. It's too hard. You know, you've got teams that are in very different states of the season, teams that have quit, teams that have not. You've got all that price inflation. And quite frankly... I do too much. I cover too many things. I've got too much going on when the football season is happening. So I have to dedicate time to what draws the most interest when I'm in the field of content creation. And that's football at this time of the year. I just I can't dedicate the time that I can dedicate to baseball over the summer. And it, it hurts your handicapping. You know, every year, September has been a bad month for me. And I think a lot of it is because There's so much other stuff going on. And I think there are, you know, environmental concerns too with baseball where, you know, what we've seen for the full season maybe doesn't play out to the same degree as the weather cools off a little bit or, you know, certain teams just aren't fully invested, aren't fully motivated. Usually in September, you get roster call-ups. This year, that's kind of been a thing all year long. So I will be shutting down my MLB handicapping at the start of September for the foreseeable future here. It's just, it's not a market that I can dedicate the necessary time to. It, it's just, it's it's that simple. And, and as I mentioned in the article today, I think that level of self-awareness as a handicapper is very important. You got to know your strengths. You got to know your weaknesses. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And, and I should have folded baseball a week ago. I didn't. It put me in the red for the season. That's very frustrating to me. But again, you know, I think I can kind of explain where some things went wrong. And those are things that I do need to change going into next season. Speaking of things that I'll be changing for next season. I talked about this, I think, in late August when I was still doing the betters box uh, for bangthebook.com. You know, I need to look more at the expectation of scoring runs as opposed to the expectation of preventing them. I think that even in this current Major League Baseball landscape, where strikeouts are higher, where defensive shifting is increased, defensive scouting reports are a lot better. I still think it's an offensive game. And what I need to focus on more 
is giving preferential treatment to the team expected to make more hard contact, the team expected to have more barreled balls, the team expected to have you know better results offensively with their quality of contact. So that's something that I really need to take a look at a lot more for next season. Because I think what I need to focus on more is trying to find teams that are going to have leads or trying to find teams that are simply going to have more run scoring opportunities. For the most part, even though there are dramatic differences between bullpens out there, again, as a whole, league-wide, we're talking about over 80% win rates if you've got a lead after five innings. So I think I just need to focus on looking for those starting pitcher versus lineup matchups that will give me an expectation of a lead after five innings. And whether I play the first five or I play the full game, I need to look at the teams that are going to score runs. I think it's very hard to sit there and handicap a game and expect the pitcher to give up two or three runs and expect the bullpen to hold up its end of the bargain too. I'm going to bet more on offense. I think that's just, quite frankly, the way that I need to do it. And and maybe too, that gives me an edge over the markets who are betting on these ERA and FIP regression signs, stuff like that. You know, look, it's one of those things where I think handicapping for the expectation of regression is probably not the way that I should be doing this. You know, and I use a lot of regression analysis in my handicapping with so much emphasis on sabermetrics. But the fact of the matter is that maybe that regression just won't come. Or maybe there's something that will prevent that regression from happening. So that's something I think I'm going to take a much stronger look at for next season here. And what that means is I'm going to look for more usage and arsenal changes. Like what I found, the thing I found with Kenta Maeda, where he started throwing mostly sliders and change-ups about 70-75% of the time. That's a guy actively taking steps to induce more ground balls, to get more swing and miss, to suppress hard contact. Those are the things I think I need to look into rather than looking at and being a slave to the statistics. Find the guys that have made changes. Find the guys that are going to be doing something that will probably be undervalued and underappreciated in the marketplace at least for a little while. You know, when you look at those regression analysis angles like ERA and FIP discrepancy and stuff like that, it's it's already either priced into the market or the quant crowd that jumps on the overnight lines prices that into the market. I'm not going to say those angles are completely dead, but you're betting on this idea, this notion, this expectation of regression. And yeah, over the course of an indefinite sample size, it's going to come, but pinpointing exactly when that will happen, I think it's just too hard to do. So I think next year I will have a major philosophical change coming to my handicapping where I don't look nearly as much at ERA or FIP. I look more at what pitchers are doing, when they're throwing pitches, in what counts, and how that matches up with the lineup that they're going to be facing. And I may even try to take more of a look at the player props market and stuff like that, looking at strikeout props and things of that sort, because I think the full game market in every sport is just getting more difficult to beat. And I think with Major League Baseball, you know, playing on this regression analysis, handicapping, and all these angles that I've used in the past, I just don't think that it, it carries the same weight. And my results over the last couple of years 
would suggest that to be the case. So I'm going to make pretty dramatic and drastic changes with my MLB handicapping for the 2021 season. Another thing I'm going to look to do is take it very easy early on in the season. Now, I did very well in July this year and got off to an excellent start, but I think that was probably more the exception than the norm. The baseball is different year in and year out. We've seen articles about that. Rob Arthur just wrote an article uh, for uh, either the Ringer or Baseball Perspective. I think it was Baseball Perspectives about how the drag on the baseball has been different basically week to week. So it seems like there are a lot of shenanigans going on with the baseball. So I want to try to get some definitive data. I want to see what we're working with here. And again, I think that you know early on in the year, like I said, a lot of my handicapping sort of predicated on looking for pitchers that will neutralize lineups. And early in the season, offense was down quite considerably. So maybe that just kind of worked out in my favor. As offense got better in the month of August, I didn't adjust. August was a bad month for me. So I think I need to take it easy early on in the season, get some data on the baseball, see what adjustments need to be made, see what happens here uh, with offense as a whole across the league because that is such an important part here of this game. Another thing I'm wondering about for next season here, I'm curious to see how these 60-game sample sizes wind up being evaluated whether that's on an offensive level, a pitching level, uh, teams, trends, stuff like that. Is this season just outright dismissed across the community? I think that's a possibility. We've had a lot of injured pitchers. We've had a lot of bad starting pitchers. We've had a lot of call-ups from guys that pitched at high A or double A last year. You know, how do they evolve? How do teams handle those situations? Do they not sign free agents? and go ahead and go with these guys that, you know, pitched 40, 50, 60 innings for them this year? You know, do you see the Royals just go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to use Brady Singer and Chris Bubik in the rotation next year? Is that what we see from these teams? I don't know. So I think that's going to be a difficult thing to figure out going into next season of, you know, how do we evaluate these small sample size performances where the baseball's been different week in and week out, where you've had a lot of injured pitchers and guys stepping up and stepping in. You know, minor leaguers didn't get any semblance of a minor league baseball season. The only guys that really played were the guys that were in the alternate training sites. So what impact does that have on next year, specifically looking at the bad teams that may be trying to, you know, play with their eyes toward the future? Also, we'll have CBA negotiations and how that may impact service time and arbitration and stuff like that. So there will be a lot of moving parts going into next year, and there are a lot of things that I need to change, a lot of things that I need to take an extended look at here for the 2020, uh, for the 2021, excuse me, season. Now, one thing I wanted to mention here real quickly is that the best bullpens in FIP right now are the A's, Indians, Dodgers, Rays, Braves, White Sox, Twins, Padres, Brewers, and Angels. Now, the top eight on that list are all playoff teams. Uh, The Indians are the only one that has not clinched yet at this point in time, but their magic number is one, and they will clinch either today uh, or tomorrow in all likelihood. But the top eight and FIP are all playoff teams. So maybe this is an indicator of, you know, success relative to having a good bullpen, but we already knew that year in and year out. What I want to take a look at, though, is that of those top 10 teams, their record in one-run games, 
The A's, seven and six. Indians, five and six. Dodgers, six and five. Rays, 13 and five. Braves, 10 and six. White Sox, five and six. Twins, seven and five. Padres, six and seven. Brewers, 10 and five. Angels, nine and eight. So you've got some outliers there. The Rays, the Braves, the Brewers, all outliers, all 10 and six or better in one run games. However, a lot of the other teams that have good bullpens, basically, you know, plus or minus a game above or below 500 in one run games. So it makes me sort of wonder here, you know, what the betting impact would be of handicapping bullpens. You know, those aren't a lot of one run games. So maybe good teams with good bullpens just cover a lot more run lines. And maybe instead of laying the big money line prices here, we can find some run line opportunities to play on those teams because their bullpens allow them to add on. And furthermore, if they're good teams and they have leads, well, the other team isn't going to use its best relievers. So maybe that's kind of something that I should take a little bit more of a look at to add a little more risk to the profile, but also maybe add a little more reward. For the most part here too, these are generally very good under teams. The only team in the top 10 in bullpen fifth that is not a good under team, or at least around 500, is the Angels. And that's because Angel Stadium has been a dramatically improved over venue for this season. So again, I'm going to do a lot of research here as time permits uh, over the winter and the spring, sort of reevaluating and philosophically changing my MLB betting approach. One other big takeaway here that I think is worth mentioning, and I've talked about this a lot, and it is something that in the month of August did hurt me quite significantly, platoon performance on offense. Left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers right now have a 236 average, a 322 on base, and a 407 slugging percentage. Those are the lowest numbers in that platoon split left-handed batters versus right-handed pitchers since 2014. Now, we've got the highest walk rate at 10.4%, also the highest strikeout rate at 22.7%, but we've got a lack of power this year. And also something else, too. Dating back to 2013, the batting average on balls in play for left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers, dating back to 2013, 299, 297, 299, 298, 299, 295, 297 last year, this year, 280. When you talk about the sample size that we're discussing here, and this is a big platoon advantage split, generally speaking, you face a right-handed pitcher about 72% of the time. So a lot of teams will get these platoon bats, these left-handed bats, to line up against those right-handed pitchers. But we're seeing basically, for all intents and purposes, about a 17 to 18 point drop in batting average on balls in play. And this will have a dramatic and very negative impact on offensive performance for left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers. And we see the lowest batting average. And we see, I believe, the second lowest slugging percentage. And remember, slugging percentage is total bases divided by at-bats. So we're seeing a much lower number of hits from left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers. And we're seeing that play out with the massive decrease 
in batting average on balls in play. And I think this is a trend that's here to stay. We've got defensive shifting and an increase in that. A lot more teams are shifting on both the infield and the outfield for left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers. Basically, your best hope is to hit it above the fielders and hit it out of the ballpark. But the the biggest adjustment, I think, here is that we've seen a league-wide decrease in fastballs. We've seen an increase in breaking stuff, in particular, off-speed pitches like change-ups. Change-ups have made a comeback. They're expected to be a neutralizer in this platoon split where righties will throw a lot more change-ups to left-handed batters. What happens is you get this decreased contact quality. It goes against the launch angle generation in the sense that a lot of guys are trying to pull the ball in the air. Well, with change-ups, you run out of barrel as it runs away from you, so you get a lot weaker contact. So this is here to stay. This major change, this major shift in Major League Baseball to throw fewer fastballs, throw more breaking balls and off-speed pitches will continue to negatively impact this platoon advantage for left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers. Now, I don't think it will be as bad next year as pronounced because I think hitters will adjust. However, this has been a big betting angle for me of playing these platoon splits, of playing these left-handed heavy lineups against right-handed pitchers that have problems in that split. And it hasn't worked out nearly as well here so far for this season. And again, I think this is a multi-year trend. I think this will be something that we'll have to contend with as we head into 2021 as well. So again, just sort of evaluating my season as a whole, and I know it's been a weird year with COVID and all of that, but there are a lot of things that I need to change philosophically at the core of my handicapping, and I will be doing that for the 2021 season, looking more at arsenal and usage changes, looking more at offenses expected to have positive offensive outcomes against the starting pitcher, looking less at the expectation of regression, just simply because it may never come. And something else I may have to take a look at too, I may have to look more at smaller sample sizes and look at how the offenses are doing over a 10, 14, 21-day window and see if that's a group that is hitting right now, if that is a group that I do want to back with the expectation of some good offensive performance. So this has kind of been a year of epiphanies in, in so many ways for a lot of people. And for me, my baseball epiphany here is that I have a lot of things I need to change about the core of my MLB handicapping. And I will look to do that going into the 2021 season. I'll be back either next Tuesday, uh, probably next Tuesday. I'm going to try to do it maybe late Monday uh, with the betters box, taking a look at the wild card series and maybe previewing a little bit about the division series because those will start before I have a chance to do another edition of the betters box. But I'll be back with a playoff edition of the betters box here uh, for you next week. And uh, you know, thank you to everybody that's read or listened here over the course of this MLB season Didn't end up the way I wanted it to. Had a bad last week. It wiped out the profits that we had. Uh, But, you know, again, I think I found a lot of things that should work better for me next year that I will be looking to carry over and hopefully have a lot more success, both personally and professionally. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.